read through the Gospels or through the Book of Acts and just seen the amazing things that Jesus is doing and you see the amazing things that the disciples get to experience because they take some steps of faith to follow Jesus. You know, Jesus said that with faith the size of a mustard seed, mountains can be moved. I want to believe that and I want to live like I believe that. Well, that is exactly why Discipleship Pathway exists. This is what the scripture says. God's teaching is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. This is the teaching of faith that we tell. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart, God raised Jesus from death, then you will be saved. We believe with our hearts, and so we are made right with God. And we declare with our mouths to say that we believe, and so we are saved. And as the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed. That scripture says anyone because there is no difference between Jew and non-Jew. The same Lord is Lord of all and gives many blessings to all who trust in him. The scripture says anyone who asks the Lord for help will be saved. But before people can trust in the Lord for help, they must believe in him. And before they can believe in the Lord, they must hear about him. And for them to hear about the Lord, someone must tell them. And before someone can go tell them, he must be sent. It is written, how beautiful is the person who comes to bring good news. So faith comes from hearing the good news. And people hear the good news when people tell them about Christ. And that's from Romans 10s. And that's what we're talking about today. Uh, we've talked kind of about the why uh, for several weeks about Discipleship Pathway, but now we're going to talk about the how. How do we share the good news with the people that God has placed in our lives? You know, now inviting someone to church is a good thing, but one of the things that Benji talked about last week was that w when we do that, this may be our safe place. I mean, some of you guys may be brand new here. Some of you guys, you've been here for a while. This may be a safe place for us, but it may not be a safe place for them, not a place where they're not comfortable, a place where they're not willing to go. You know, inviting them to the church, again, it's not a bad thing, but when we do that, guys, we're asking for others to be more missionally minded than we are. Now, if you've gathered the gusto to invite somebody to church, again, not a bad thing, but I think that sometimes when we do that, we feel like, well, I've, I've done my part. And then it's up to the church and the pastors and the staff, and, and we will do ours. But that's not really the way that this works. Um, um, I remember, um, well, one reason is, is that when you're, when you're sharing your faith with someone, when you're asking them to share theirs with yours, it's a very personal thing. Now, I remember when I was in college and I was on campus, and every, not, maybe not every week, every other week, somebody would come up to me, and the first things out of their mouth was always, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And, you know, I, I wasn't walking with the Lord then. Um, and, you know, I, you know, God bless them. Uh, you know, in hindsight, I really admire their courage, but it really never worked on me. First off, because it was out of the blue, okay? And I had, I'd, I'd never seen much, never less talked with this person before. Um, I had zero relationship with them. And so it was really easy just to brush them off. And I wasn't always nice about it. Uh, and just go about my day. And if I ran into more than one of you guys, and if, if that was you, I'm really sorry. But if I ran into more than one of you guys in a day, my answers would just get more creative and more sarcastic. Now, to be honest, I mean, I do admire their courage. But um, it's not a very effective thing. And the reason is, first off, it's easy to say no to. Okay? And the second thing is, is that your invitation had an expectation. Okay? So that if the, the more no's that you get that way, it's really easy to get discouraged. So what if there is a better way? So let's pray and get into it. 
Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful for who you are, um, that you've called us by name and you have placed us here today, Father God. We know that you are sovereign and we're just so grateful for every single life um, that is in this room and even those that couldn't be here today, Father God. We would just ask you to bless them, Father. Um, Father, sometimes we just, um, we, we really make your words so hard to put into practice, Father God. And I'm just so grateful for all the experiences that have led us to this point, Father God, because it is so simple if we would just say yes to you, Father. So, Father, we just thank you for this day, and we praise your mighty name. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. Welcome to FCC. Happy Super Bowl Sunday, you know? I know that a lot of us are looking forward to watching a good day, a good game today. But it's also a very bittersweet day because the Dallas Cowboys ain't in it. So I'm sure there'll be a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Just kidding. Now, whether you're here in person or whether you're joining us online, there's something that I want to let you know. Um, what we do here on Sundays is not the only thing that our church, church does. In fact, what we do here on Sundays isn't even the main thing that we do. Now, don't get me wrong. If you're here today, what, what happens in our Sunday gathering is very important to us. Um, we care a lot about what goes on here on, on Sundays. I mean, this is a chance for us to enjoy God together, to experience his presence together, to encourage one another in the good news together, uh, and to become fully equipped to faithfully do what God has called us to do. So all of this matters immensely. But hear this. This is not the entirety of what life together as a church is. This is not the entirety of what God has invited you into as his son or invited you into as his daughter. But I'm excited that you're here. I'm excited about this lens that is discipleship pathway, this equipping tool. This was shaped uh, by a few things. Um, uh, several years ago, the leadership of this church decided to, uh, decided to make the shift to begin to a more missional model. And when, over time, we partnered with people like Alex and Hannah Absalom. These were some of the people that are at the front of the field. Um, and uh, we began to try to make this shift. Um, but what really did it for me is this trip uh, that we took out to Kansas City. Great barbecue, terrible coffee, okay? Now, the reason that we went there is we started hearing more and more about these missional movements, both, both worldwide and here in the, in the States, that were having amazing results, and they wanted to show people how they were doing this, so they invited us to come and see. And this completely blew my mind. It was like that last piece of a puzzle that makes the entire picture clear. Um, I, I really wish that, that I could have recorded everything and shared it with you. Um, see, this isn't my first discipleship rodeo, Ooh, discipleship, that elusive animal that is so often spoken about but rarely seen. Um, you know, over the years, I've been shown so many different models, from pamphlets to books to diagrams to conferences. And not that any of these things are bad. I learned from all of them. But what it really did is it just added more things for me to do and just muddied the waters um, even further. You know, I was exposed to so much information. It was so big that when you don't know where to start, you kind of got, get this analysis paralysis and, and you just don't do anything. So going to Kansas City changed all that to me. Uh, it was mind blowing. I had a paradigm shift um, because it clarified to me not just what discipleship is, but how to do discipleship, like how you can do it in our context. And for me, um, that was like kind of like the scales dropping from my eyes because they explained it to me in a language that I understood and in, in such a way that it, it makes discipleship doable. Um, you know, this had such an impact on me that I remember when we were on our way back, Benji asked me, you know, Benji, you know, what's your biggest takeaway? And I, the only answer I could give him was 
probably what I'm going to be doing with the rest of my life. Okay? So that's what I hope to share with you today. Now, discipleship is something that you hear a lot about in the church. It's kind of important because this is what he wanted his disciples to do. It's named the Great Commission, uh, and it's found in Matthew 28. And I'm going to read it real quick. I'm reading in the ICB. Benji got me on this thing. I just like the way it reads. Um, then Jesus came to them and said, all power, on earth, all power in heaven and on earth is given to me. So go and make followers or disciples, okay, of all people in the world. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have told or commanded you. And you can be sure that I will be with you always. I will continue to be with you until the end of the world. Now, to be honest with you, that first sentence in verse 20 has always bothered me. Okay, I like the other two that follow it because they sound good. But, you know, obey, command. You know, maybe it's just my rebellious human heart, but that's always kind of irked me. Um, but when you actually look at what Jesus' commands are, okay, it actually makes this really beautiful. What, what did Jesus command you to do? To repent, to forgive, to love God, to trust in him, to love others, to care for the poor, to keep your word, to pay your taxes, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. It didn't say it'd be easy. To love your enemies, to pray, to give, to serve, not to judge. Go the second mile. Make disciples, just to name a few. Now, all of these things, and there are a lot more, lead to two other things, a deeper relationship with God and a deeper, deeper relationship with people. And this is so important because when the love of God and the love of people, when they come together, it makes the kingdom visible, okay? And here's the thing, God, guys, um, God's commands, sometimes we look at it as a straitjacket. It's not. It is a pathway, Okay, and to kind of show you what a, a picture of that is, is we've asked Alan Ball and he's accepted to come and share a story. Alan, can you come up here? Are we working? Ah, now I hear the background noise. <laughs> That's it, it's working now. So, as uh, Wibble's mentioning, some of those commands we have, and of course one of those commands is love your God with all your heart and love your neighbor. And so as we got into this discipleship pathway thing, I started thinking, so who is my neighbor? Well, clearly, the one that makes all the noise above me in the apartment building, <laughs> that's a neighbor, okay. And so not too long after we started Discipleship Pathways a few months ago, um, I had a new neighbor arrive. I knew it was a new neighbor because there was lots of new noise. Not just, you know, a thud every once in a while, but a little runner running all around. And so I decided as part of the praying for the neighbors that I would specifically pray for that neighbor every time I heard that little runner running across to be able to give me some peace of mind and maybe bring some blessings onto them. Well, it just so happens that about two weeks later, I'm down at the mailbox getting my mail and lo and behold, the person that lives above me was there at the mailbox too and I got to meet the mom and the daughter and talk to them and let them know I was their neighbor downstairs and the little one was running and I was praying and wow, great. I, you can be in an apartment building for many, many years and never meet your neighbors. And God brought them to my face just a few weeks after they moved in. But another person in the apartment building that I'd been in this apartment building, I'd been there probably eight years or so. I'd been on the first floor for the first few years and then moved to the second floor. 
well, also as part of this discipleship pathways and praying for the neighbors, I decided instead of just, you know, taking the elevator up to my floor, getting off of my floor and immediately running to my room, which is the normal thing we do in an apartment complex, I would decided that I was going to walk up the stairs, walk across the first floor, go up to the stairs, walk across the second floor, and make that my path to get home and pray for everybody on their way by. So that was working good. I was having a good time walking around uh, my neighborhood. And uh, one of the times, the door opened. And it was a guy on the first floor that I'd met maybe once or twice when I lived on the first floor just to say hi as you pass in the hallway as he went to walk his dog. So I said, hi. Hey, the door opened in front of me. He said, hi. He's going to go walk his dog. I walked out with him. He went on his way. Yeah, great. That was cool. The next day, I'm walking to work because I walked to Bart in the morning. And there he is, walking towards me, walking his dog. Now, I had never encountered him before in the morning when I'm walking to work. But his schedule had changed. So now as I'm walking to work in the morning, he's walking his dog. And I get to say hi. Morning after morning. Wow, that's neat. <laughs> so every once in a while, I'll stop and talk to him in the morning. And you know, I'm looking at the clock, looking at the clock. I've got to catch my BART train. And one of the times, we actually stopped and talked for a few minutes. And I'm like, well, I'm going to miss my train. Nope, I didn't miss my train. The train was late. God had it all planned out. I didn't know it, but God knew it. He had it taken care of. So a few days later, or maybe a few weeks later, I come home from work, and he's standing on the curb, just standing there. So I stop, of course. I've been seeing him. Stop and talk. And he's waiting for his ride to go to AA. Oh, his ride didn't show up. So we stand there and talk. Now, of course, AA, you have to pick a higher power, right? He didn't have a higher power. He didn't believe in any higher powers. So we started talking. Who is your higher power? And so I start talking about God and sharing with him. And then over the weeks, of course, I continue to see him because God's got me walking into him all the time. He stops one day and goes, so this God here, he must be trying to talk to me because I keep walking into you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so your neighbors, who are your neighbors? Are your people in the neighborhood in your apartment building, but also you have neighbors in another location many of you go to, and that's at work. So I decided that's part of my neighborhood too. So instead of just you know, going directly to the bathroom or directly to get a cup of coffee and racing back to my desk, I would take the long round. And I'd pray for people in my office as I walked to the restroom or walked to get coffee. And as I got coffee, I'd continue to walk the floor and just walk around the office building and pray for people as I walk. And of course, as people see you walking around, they say, hi, you say hi. The next time you might walk by and say hi again, maybe you ask them a question. Maybe they ask you a question and you have a conversation about what's important in life. And one time, one of the people said, so what are you doing tonight? You going to have fun? I said, well, yeah, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to go to church tonight and be part of a divorce care group. You know, I'm divorced, and there's a lot of people that are hurting from things like that. Wow. Now, all of a sudden, I've broached that subject of faith and God in church. So now we can have additional conversations, and they can ask again, how did things go? So love your God. Love your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? Pray for your neighbor and be open to hear 
when those neighbors start talking to you, because it can be amazing. Thank you, Alan. So guys, uh, I think that's great that Alan is willing to take steps of faith because definitely is definitely a follower of Jesus. Um, you know, that's what a disciple is, guys. It's a follower, someone who intentionally follows the teachings, aim, and life of another until you become like the master. In the Christian context, that means becoming more and more like Jesus because we owe our ultimate allegiance to him. Now, right now, we're just down our path, down the discipleship pathway, which we have said are the steps that we take to follow Jesus. And what I think is interesting is, you know that one of the first things, the first directives that Jesus told the disciple Peter was to follow me. That was in Matthew 4, 19. And the last thing he said to Jesus, or the last thing Jesus said to Peter was, follow me. John 21, 22, to learn from me, to stay close to me. And if we're honest, guys, I think that's the invitation Jesus extends to, extends to us each and every day, to follow him, to learn from him, to stay close to him. Now, let me ask you this. I know Sue's in the room. So what is a rhythm? What is a rhythm? Well, Google defines it as a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. But if you apply that to your life, it's this strong, regular, repeated pattern by which people do life. Now, our world is full of rhythms, guys. You know, we have the rising and setting of the sun constant changing of the seasons, you know, um, the rhythm of the tides. And our bodies are filled with biological rhythms that control so much. And most of these happen in about a 24-hour period, but things like our sleep, our metabolism, blood pressure, body temperature, hormone level, heart rate, uh, even every breath that we take, rhythms. Uh, the disciples had rhythms. One of the rhythms that we see in the book of Acts was that the disciples prayed three times a day. Okay, you can see it in Acts 3. And that was something that was part of their rhythm of life. Did you know that the uh, prophet Daniel prayed three times a day? That's in Daniel 6.10. King David prayed three times a day. It was just part of the way they lived life, which means that Jesus probably also prayed at least three times a day. It was part of the way they lived life, their rhythm. It was something that they integrated into their daily lives. And they also probably fasted twice a week. This was a rhythm, a rule of life. Now, even the church over the centuries have had many different movements that they applied to the rhythms of their time. This church is going to be 50 years old this year, and in that short time has had different rhythms. But what about us? What's our rhythm in 2023? Okay, because, I mean, rhythms are important. I mean, there are certain things that you can add to your life that are beneficial, like exercise, okay? But when these things just become routine or mundane, we stop doing them and things change. Things definitely change. Um, guys, what I'm trying to get at is if we only have loving Jesus as part of our rhythm and we don't add to that rhythm loving others, then we may be missing the boat. Um, one of the people that I met in Kansas City, he was the guy that helped start kind of the Kansas City Underground, this place that we went to learn about the discipleship pathways. His name Brian is a gifted worship leader. And what started him down his own journey was something that happened between him and one of his neighbors. I think he was living in Tennessee and they just had their second child. Uh, he had lived in that neighborhood for about two years. And, um, he, and uh, he didn't know anybody in his neighborhood except for one guy because the guy was a home brewer. And I feel you because if I'm on that block, that's the one guy I'm definitely gonna become friends with, okay? <laughs> And one day they were standing out in their driveway and the guy tells him, hey, you know that, that lady down the street, she just lost her mom. And Brian was like, oh yeah, that's, that, that's terrible. And the guy looks at Brian and goes, because he knew what Brian did. And he goes, uh, he goes, you didn't know her name, did you? And Brian's like, no man, I, I, I didn't know her name. 
And the guy says, that's the problem with you Christians. You make loving people a job. See guys, what this brought, and this like blew Brian's mind and what started him like bringing people aboard and creating all of this. Because what if Jesus, when Jesus said to love your neighbors, what if he literally meant your neighbors? What if he literally meant that? It takes away a lot of excuses. I mean, wh what would it look like if Jesus moved into your neighborhood? You know, this new rhythm that we're talking about isn't new. It's, it's one of the oldest rhythms. Uh, and it's found in Genesis 12. It's God speaking to Abram. And he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless you. I will bless those that bless you and curse and those that curse you, I will curse. All the people on the earth will be a blessing to you. So I put it to you guys. What if instead of, you know, trying to convert people into our faith, that we just became a blessing to them? What if blessing others was our modus operandi? That was just the way that we entered into relationship with others. Okay. Um, do you know the word convert? or conversion is only in the Bible four times and, and, and it didn't come out of Jesus's mouth, okay? Um, guess how many times bless is used? Over 500 times. Now, I didn't have time to do the research on Jesus, but I know he said it a lot. And I know that he blessed people a lot. But guys, even with the disciples, he did not use his title, his position to crush them. He used a towel to show them what serving another person looks like. He washed their feet. Bless. Guys, our purpose goes far beyond gathering on a Sunday service. In fact, we can't even exist as a church with, without having a purpose beyond ourselves. It's in our very nature because we're called by God to God to be with God, but then we're sent back out to bring the blessing that we received to Jesus to people that might not know it yet. And to maybe flesh this out a little bit more, I got a quick video for you guys. So we begin to ask, how do we, how do we in a very practical way that's theologically grounded, explain to people how they could bless the people and places where they are incarnating? Well, we came up with this, and I'll share it with you. We came up with the word, it's called the word bless. It's an acronym, B-L-E-S-S. -S. And these are the missional practices we gave them. We said, number one, B, begin with prayer. We want you to ask, God, how do you want me, how do you want me to bless the people and places that you've sent me to? L, incarnate again, listen. Don't talk, but listen to people, their struggles, their pains, the people and places that God sent you. E stands for eat, that's my favorite. You can't just check this off, it's not quick. You have to have a meal with people or a cup of coffee, it builds relationships. S stands for serve. If you, wanna, if you listen to people and you eat with people, they will tell you how to love them and you'll know how to S, serve them. The last S stands for story. When the time is right, now we talk and we share the story of how Jesus changed our life. And so we asked, we asked them, here's what we want you to do. You do one of those missional practices every day. Just one of them, every day. You can pick which one. And secondly, we want you to start every one of your missional groups weekly with the question of, who did you bless this week? Just answer the question, who did you bless this week? So the idea here is that the, uh, the actions should probably come before the words. Guys, we should not be loving, serving, or blessing people as a means to an end. That's just transactional. Um, we should probably do it because it's relational. Um, you, know, you know, thankfully, um, God just didn't send down a, a bunch of rules and whatnot. He sent his only son. He moved into the neighborhood to show us what it looks like to, 
love God and to be fully human. All right, so um, this author, the guy that, just, that you guys just spoke, his name is David Ferguson. Actually, we have his book out there. He wrote a book about these uh, and made it a, about these five blessed rhythms, turned into an acronym, turned into a habit, a rhythm of life. So we're going to look at these again. Um, begin with prayer. The best way to bless someone, the best way to serve anyone is to pray for them. And what this does for us is through prayer, it can open our eyes up to their needs. Listen, to prioritize um, asking questions over talking. I know this is something that I, I have to tell myself over and over and over again, but I think so many people are out there just looking for someone who cares enough to listen, you know, to listen to their story, to share their story. And at the least, we can listen to their story without cutting them off. Eat, it's also my favorite rhythm. Make the time to eat with people, you know, grab coffee or maybe enjoy a beer with someone that God has called you to if it's appropriate in your context. Um, because Jesus came eating and drinking to the point where they called him a glutton, friend of sinners, because he saw them eating with them. You know, at the end of his time with the disciples, Jesus said, here's your last supper, not here's your last sermon. Okay, eat with someone. We see it on almost every page of the gospel. Him sitting down with Zacchaeus and others, honoring each other in their Eastern, in their, in their Eastern context. And we can honor people in our context as well. You ever notice that after you sit down with someone that you feel like you, you got to know them a little bit? You know, the guards come, kind of come down a little bit because, you know, you're starting to get to know each other. Serve, meet needs, be selfless, practically serve others. There are so many ways that you can do that. It can be as simple as offering to babysit, okay, or maybe making a meal, mow their lawn, um, or bringing in someone's trash can. There are rhythms in your neighborhood that you can apply all of this to. And this is something Sandra, our finance manager, does because um, she heard about the blessed rhythms and there's this older gentleman that lives across the street from her and so she thought she'd bless him and went across the street and pulled in his trash can. A couple of weeks go by, he came out earlier and she did and he had brought in her trash cans. So now they have an all-out serving war <laughs> between them and their neighborhood about who can wake up earlier and who can bless the other person, you know. Um, but what that's done for them is it's created a space um, where they can spend more time together to deepen their relationship. And then share your story, share what Jesus has done for you, not some theological club that you've been saving up to beat them over the head with. Just be a witness to what God has done in your life. You know, after he healed someone, Jesus would tell them to go and tell others what the Lord has done for you, how God has blessed you. It's such a simple way to share with others. That's it. Bless. It's five simple rhythms. It's not a program or a series of linear steps, okay? It's, and it's not, bless isn't about adding something, okay? It's about infusing our everyday activities that we're already doing, just being a little bit more intentional about it, being, being aware of not just what we're called to do, but the rhythms of whatever, wherever God has placed us. Um, if we add these five simple rhythms, guys, into our daily life, and we, if we let them intersect, intersect with these rhythms in our neighborhood or your school or wherever God's placed you, imagine what they could look like. Now, I want to address something for some of you. Um, asked this a couple of years ago. When you think about what God thinks about, when God thinks about you, what do you think about? Because what you think God thinks about you, is, it's really, really important, okay? Because so some of you, because I was this way, um, as I always just seem to imagine him upstairs with his arms folded, looking down at me, shaking his head, disappointed, you know, 
Nothing can be further from the truth. And I have to tell myself this every day. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. And there is nothing that you can do to make God love you less. Okay? Um, let me give you a story. My son, Toby's got a, a big fat head. Um, sorry, son. Uh, no, but when he was born, he has got a big dome, man. Look at that thing. It's like an apple on a toothpick. And when he was walking, when he was learning to walk, and that thing would throw him off balance eventually, you know what I mean? He was like, you know, and he would go. And he would take three steps, and then he would fall. But, but as his father, do you think I chastised him or shook my finger at him? Or not stupid, idiot, worthless. But see, sometimes that I think that um, that's the way that God looked at me. And I want you to know that nothing can be further than the truth. You are his daughter. You are his son. And he loves you. Okay? He's not disappointed in you. He's working on you. Okay? He's, and this is what he's doing. Okay? Come on, take that next step. Take that next step. Okay, God, but God, I don't, I don't know, God. I don't know how to do this. It's okay. I got you. You know, but God, I, I don't have it all down. It's okay. I do. I'm God. This is what I want to give you permission to do today, to try something different because you are not supposed to have this empty spiritual life. But here's the thing. If all it is is like head knowledge and you don't apply any of it, maybe that's why there's an echo in your heart. But when you start walking with God and just trusting in, not in who you are, but in who Jesus is, okay? Like, miracles can happen, guys. I wanna give you permission today to pick up your role in God's story and don't look back because this is what he's asking you today. The same thing that he told Peter. Follow me, follow me. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for um, your word. We're so grateful for how good you are to each and every one of us, Father. And we know that you aren't counting on us to be obedient to you, Father, that if you want to save someone, that you will save that person. But Father, it's, it's just an opportunity for us to behave as your son and your daughter. Father, I, just, um, I don't ask you to give us courage, God, just to give us more faith to say yes to you, Father God. We're so grateful for um, these missional movements that are happening all over the world. And we ask you to bless them, Father God, because they're, they're showing people what the love of God looks like. They're just not talking about it. Father, let us be that type of church. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.